welcome to Agatha Christie, She Watched, the spoiler-heavy podcast in which we talk about Agatha Christie movie adaptations. This is Bill Peschel from Peschel Press, and this week we're talking about a sinister collector of rare artifacts, naughty pictures, and the game of bridge. Yes, it's Cards on the Table, the 2006 adaptation starring David Suchet as Hercule Poirot. But first, let me introduce my partner in marriage and crime of the fictional sort, Teresa Peschel. Teresa, how you doing? Hi, Bill. It's always a thrill to be here with you in your office under the stairs. And oh, before I forget, I want to do a shameless plug for an upcoming event that we're going to be doing. For those of you who are in the state of Delaware on Saturday, the 6th of August in 2022, we are going to be at the Wyoming Peach Festival. So if you want to come out and meet us in person, we will be at the Wyoming Peach Festival somewhere in the Sea of Canopies. That is Saturday, the 6th of August in 2022. This is Wyoming, Delaware, not Wyoming, the state of Wyoming. It's a town just outside of Dover. The Peach Festival is supposed to be one of the great regional festivals of Delaware, so we will find out. Yep. So, cards on the table. Initial thoughts? I was really grooving on this movie. I was really enjoying it. They did a beautiful job. They introduced Ariadne Oliver right away instead of her coming in suddenly later. They were following the, the text pretty closely, considering this is a movie adaptation, and then... About halfway through, I started saying, what, 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 as things started changing. And, and then it completely fell apart at the ending, and the ending was terrible. I was so disappointed because they completely changed the character of Anne Meredith and Rhoda Dawes. It's like they, the, the screenwriter swapped their lines, and I can really understand why Superintendent Battle flatly refused to show up for this production, as did Colonel Ray's, because they knew better. We'll get into that a little bit later. The movie started out pretty close to the book, right? Considering that it is an, a film adaptation, yes, I think it did, because they have to get moving right away, and so we get Ariadne and Poirot at the same exhibit that Mr. Shaitana is at. They're all drifting around looking at bizarre sculptures. Shaitana starts chatting up Poirot. Shaitana has a remarkable mustache, too, although probably not quite as perfect in its sy symmetry and uh, exuberance as Poirot, or at least Poirot would have you think so. Shaitana and Poirot do know of each other, although, of course, he's never showed up before in any of the books. And Shaitana has an interesting hobby. He collects rarities, the most rare of rarities. He is talking about collecting things related to crime, and Poirot instantly assumes it is a black museum. That's where you collect the hangman's rope and, uh, you know, knives used to murder important people. Scotland Yard is known for having a black museum. That's where it comes from. Why do they call it the Black Museum? Mr. Well, Black started it? No, but because it's artifacts of the kind that you don't normally want to show in public. So it's, you know, black as sinister. Oh, sounds like your porn, your porn museum, but only in another direction. <laughs> it's not my porn museum. I don't have one. <laughs> don't, if don't you say did, you I would certainly game. know about it by now. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Shaitana is, he is Syrian, as we finally find out, and he is well cast. They, they cast a great actor for that. Yes, he is supposed to look like Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles. And, and he does. Mm -hmm. And he does. Well, Shaitana is Arabic for devil? Something like that. I caught a little glimpse of that somewhere. Something like that. She chose that name very, very carefully. Mm -hmm. And he is a collector of 
as I said, of rarities. And the rarity collection that he has is Poirot Discovers. They do this kind of in a flashback because they don't, they want to surprise the audience, obviously. But he has collected murderers who got away with it. And he is inviting them to dinner. And he invites the four detectives, which is Poirot for private detective, Ariadne Oliver as a mystery writer, Superintendent Wheeler representing Scotland Yard. And that he's taking the place of Superintendent Battle, who had enough sense not to show up for this fiasco. And then Colonel Hughes in the place of Colonel Race, who, again, is off doing something better with his time in the far reaches of the Empire. And the four people that are invited as the other guests, that is Anne Meredith, who is a poor relation, a paid companion, young and pretty and nervous. Uh, she has, as it turned out, she did indeed kill someone. Well, no, wait, sorry. She killed someone in the novel, in the the film. They completely switched it around. You get Major Despard, who shot someone. You get uh, John Roberts, who probably poisoned at least one of his patients, and you get Mrs. Lorimer, who murdered her husband. So they're all brought together, and of course, we're we're not told right off the bat. They're not informed, of course, but during the dinner, Shaitana insinuates that there, there's, you know, obviously everything he says can be applied to the four detectives. The four other people, we don't know why they're there and they don't know too much why they're there they they've some of them met shaitana in egypt right yes mrs lorimer met him in egypt um major despard had met him at other parties as did john roberts and meredith she met him around and about although in the novel it's actually spelled out that she met shaitana when she was with rhoda dawes at a week in switzerland in the winter for skiing uh, rhoda dawes is the one who has the relation the money in that relationship and they're good friends they went to school together i'll a lot of what was actually in the text made it into the film, and other things that were never in the text appeared out of nowhere. But the point is that the four people who were invited, Shaitana knows that they are all guilty of murder. They got away with it. Poirot is the only one of the four detectives who knows this because he tells the other detectives that Shaitana had told him this apparently in the museum, the flash, I'm a little blurry on the flashbacks, but I believe that that's what actually happened is that there was a flashback scene for just a few seconds where you see Poirot listening to Shaitana tell him that I collect murderers who got away with it. And then Poirot informs the, the rest of the quartet that that is why those four people were there at the dinner. And that is why Shaitana said very pointed remarks that could be aimed at a specific person right and he also says in the tropes of mystery novels that at the end of the bridge game that they're going to have he's going to make an announcement he's going to reveal a secret he oh yes he's going to reveal a secret thereby putting the pressure on the four murderers sitting there at the table that Oh, my God. The idea, of course, is that each one of these four murderers is sitting at the table, sweating it out over the lobster Newberg of, oh, my God, he's going to say in front of a representative of Scotland Yard, a world-renowned private detective and somebody from MI5 or MI6, something uh, like that. Yeah, I think just the overseas colonial service. So, you know, a prototype James Bond mm -hmm. and, and a mystery novelist who will use this as fodder for her next book. Oh, my God, all is going to be revealed 
field and I, my life is ruined. I'm going to end up in the dock and I'm going to be hanged. And we do get some of that sometimes because it was really fun watching Ariadne Oliver because you could see Agatha kind of revealing something of her mindset because there was a particular moment when she was talking with Anne and Rhoda and started speculating about who could have done it. And, and they asked her, so can you figure out a way that it could have, you know, a motive for this? And oh, she said, yes. Oh, she yes. just started rattling them off like any good mystery writer would, none of which had anything to do with reality, by the way. But she started just rattling them off because that's the way it works. You have ideas are everywhere. You have to kick them out of the way. So they start their after the dinner, they start the bridge game and they have the four murderers at one table in one room and then Poirot and the three other people in the other playing, room. Yes, they're playing bridge in the other room. This is after everybody being seated at the big dinner party. Yeah, Shantana wanders around smoking a cigarette, looking over everyone's shoulder. And then he sits down in the chair facing the, the fireplace. fireplace. He's had a great dinner and he's had a couple of glasses of, of great wine and he is very comfortable. He just settles in and he does what is a little odd, but at the same time you can kind of understand it. He falls asleep in front of the fire because why wouldn't you? Right. And I do want to say something about the dinner party scene. This is something that most of us readers, certainly not for me, this is not the kind of dinner party I have ever been invited to where I'm wearing my best evening wear and I have on my, my statement jewelry and I'm seated boy girl, boy girl are all the way around this grand, lavishly arrayed table meeting essentially complete strangers and yet making pleasant conversation with them. This is a real talent. It's a real skill. I think that when Agatha was using this, she was using something that actually she saw happen in her own life, that you would invite people who didn't know each other that well or didn't know each other at all, and you would have dinner parties to introduce one set of people you know to a different set of people. I think this happens a lot more in England than it does in the United States. I, I think so, too. This is this is not something that seems to happen in the United States. Or at least at the parties we get invited to. <laughs> Which isn't it isn't many, folks. It isn't many. But it's it's a great scene. It really is a wonderful scene. You can see how uncomfortable, particularly Anne Meredith, is. She is out of her league. She is the youngest person in the room by probably 20 years. She's obviously in her early to mid-20s. Major Despard is probably the next youngest man in the room in his 30s. A man in his prime. Ariadne could They're be mature. in her 40s. Hercule is, we know he's been 60 forever. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Shaitana is certainly in his 40s. Superintendent Wheeler has a, uh, he, he's not a 22-year-old any right. more than Colonel Hughes is. So anyway, at the end of the, the bridge party, detectives come in, Superintendent Wheeler leans over Shaitana and discovers he is dead. He is dead. He is stabbed in the heart. Stabbed in the heart with what looks like a jeweled hat pin. They call it a dagger in the novel, but they didn't use, it, it doesn't really look like a dagger because it doesn't have the proper handle or hilt that a dagger would have. It's a big, fancy like you could see it as a ring, a big fancy door knocker ring or a big fancy brooch. It reminds me of your long needles at your desk, at your sewing machine, where which has kind of like a pearl on the end, which is... Corsage pins. Yeah, corsage pin, only really much bigger. So you could put it in your palm and jam it into the chest. It is like a cross between a hat pin and a dagger because it's got the end, the fancy end of a hat pin and it's got the blade of a dagger about six inches long. It has obviously been rammed into Mr. Shaitana's heart, and he never said a word. He didn't speak. The uh, He didn't even grunt. He just, he did what happens in mystery novels, but probably doesn't happen in real life, which is he just, oh, oh, 
and conks out. Well, and also at, when they he had a glass in his hand and they discovered residue in it and they discovered there was sleeping powder in it. Yes, so clearly it was premeditated. This was not in the book and I couldn't accept it. I couldn't accept it. Uh, do you want to get to that point yet or well, not? Well, he, he didn't take, he, he wasn't drugged in the, uh, in the book? No. Oh. Oh, okay. No, he wasn't planning on seeing what seeing if one of his. Well, that, we'll save that for the end because there's there's a lot to, there's a little bit to go into because it, it we worked move so into, well. Oh, up, up, the, the up. first half was great. Yeah, there were there was a fascinating characters, scintillating dialogue, interesting characters, and then we start investigating the four murderers. Yes, because the four people playing Bridge, and it would it might you don't have to know Bridge in order to appreciate the novel or enjoy the movie you don't have to know bridge they do use it because Poirot does use the bridge scores to discern character yes because the bridge scores as well as the dissection of the bridge hand give him an idea of the personality of each of the victims mrs lorimer is a very precise skillful player she really knows her stuff she plans ahead she calculates she is not going to overbid well the he compares it with the he asks them with questions about the bridge game but he also asks them about the objects in the room and the comparison makes for a in-depth characterization because mrs lorimer couldn't tell what was going on around her but she knew every single hand of the bridge game ever that they played all four rubbers she knew every single hand in every single rubber she was able to dissect who did what who held what cards even you know what card they held what they did a whole lot of bridge terms that i don't know what they mean because i don't play bridge but she didn't know anything in the room other than well there's furniture right whereas anne recognized the egyptian objects yes she was she appreciated the jewelry now one of the things that they did not put in the film that they did in the novel and this was a telling point for poirot and meredith poor paid companion saw that there was a vase of chrysanthemums that needed their water changed but she did not notice according to poirot if she had liked flowers she did not notice the big bowl of early tulips which any flower fancier would have liked no she noticed the one that needed someone's attention but she couldn't appreciate the flowers on their own she also noticed the jewelry the pretty jewelry uh, major despard he noticed that there was furniture in the room he did notice the rugs because rugs were something that he knew about he noticed the fine quality of the rugs he did not like mr shaitana by the way at all uh he also noticed they didn't it didn't make it into the film but it was in the novel and again it, it displays his temperament he noticed the taxidermied head of an eland now roberts dr roberts he remembered he didn't really remember the bridge hands although he was a, a skillful bridge player but he really noticed all of the objects in the room he noticed the rugs he noticed the furniture he noticed the upholstery he he was a very observant person and this gives you kind of a feel for the personality of the murders because it had to be one of those four although there was a point and we disagreed on this because Poirot turns to Superintendent Wheeler and says, you could have done it too. Yes, and that was absolutely atrocious. And you understand why Superintendent Battle refused to show up for this particular casting call because, oh my God, they decided that Superintendent Wheeler was not just a substitute for Battle. And we never see enough of Superintendent Battle, and we should because he's a great character. But no, Superintendent Wheeler has a secret gay 
past, which is clearly evident in the fact that he mentions it's after midnight at the dinner. I have to go home to my wife and children. He mentions his wife and children at least twice, maybe even three times in the course of the film, and that is clearly suspicious, because why would anyone announce, I have to go home to my wife and children, unless you're hiding the fact that you have a secret gay sex life? But not the fact, though, that he was being suspected of, of murder, though, because that was something that we saw in the 2008 adaptation of Appointment with Death, because Lady Westholm goes up to check on the old lady, and that's when she stabs her. Well, that's true. That's true. I'd completely forgotten about that. And yes, of course, Poirot is remembering that. Uh, obviously. <laughs> obviously so. remembering that. But it's funny to see the tropes returning again and again, because Mr. Shaitana calling in these four murderers is also used in and then there were none only for a different purpose that's right oh my god that's right and in fact there's a subtext they did again the, the film didn't have enough time to bring it out but the novel did more where Poirot and superintendent battle Josh Ariadne Oliver about reusing plots and Poirot actually goes into detail about a pair of them where if you strip away everything else the mechanism is the same and Ariadne Oliver is astonished that he noticed because because most people never do. Absolutely. He, he gives her the titles in this adaptation and, and she owns up to it because she says, I didn't know you read them. And she and he said, oh, yes, I have issues with them. And then she goes, oh, yes, I know this drug is not soluble in water. Like, <laughs> you know, she has been told this repeatedly and all she can do is just say, well... It's writing. I don't know what it's else to fiction. say. It's fiction. I can't it's do fiction, this. It's fiction, folks. But you are right about Superintendent Wheeler uh, being outed as gay because what ends up happening is that as part of the investigation, they're trying to track down photographs because we see Shaitana with a camera she, uh, when he's in Egypt with those lovely Nile backdrops with each of the characters. He takes their picture. So there's a setup that, oh, he's taking a lot of pictures. And I can't remember how it leads them to the photographer. Do you? Poirot is, he's back at Shaitana's absolutely gorgeous house, drop-dead gorgeous, and he is looking at this big photograph of Shaitana. It has a very dolly, surrealist look of his face reflected in a mirror and multiple hands. Poirot notices in the lower corner there's a tiny plaque that is the name of the photographer. So he goes to that photographer who is clearly gay, very campy, and he's setting up this posed photograph with young men in Greek drapery holding up grapes in front of each other. You might as well be hit over the head with a subtext in this, and I'll get to that with Anne and Rhoda later on. Miro, who is the photographer, says, oh, yes, Shaitana said eventually somebody would come by to get these photographs. And the implication is that he knows what the pictures are because, of course, he developed them. He does all of the developing. Yeah, so he has and, to know. And Poirot looks at the pictures. We are never shown the pictures, but it is clearly blackmailing material. And it is, of course, Superintendent Wheeler naked and frolicking, I guess, with Shaitana or with someone else. I have no idea. And, and you wonder why a senior superintendent at Scotland Yard, he might be frolicking naked with male companions, but he's not going to let any photographs be taken. On the other hand, people do stupid stuff every day. Before Poirot reveals that in the, as, when he does the Poirot at the end, he holds up the photos and looking at them, and he's also implying that the, the true murderer is actually in them, which means that obviously uh, Shaitana takes pictures of all his 
frolics, I guess. <laughs> Except that we don't think we he hasn't met any of the other people. You know, I mean, he knows them casually. Right. He knows Mrs. Lorimer, Major Despard, and Meredith. He knows them casually. But obviously he knows Roberts a lot more. Well, we don't know. We don't know that he knows Roberts a lot more. The implication is that he knows Wheeler a lot more. Well, but Roberts reacted to it when Poirot fooled him with it because he was saying he's pulling out these photos at the end and saying, you know, we have these photos, Dr. Roberts. Oh, oh, oh. And that's when Roberts says, all right, you got me. <laughs> So that's there's okay. a there's a big relationship there as well. Oh yes, apparently Dr. Roberts is flamingly gay. He has relationships with at least one of his patients and his patient's wife got angry. This was Mrs. Craddock and the secretary thinks that he was having a torrid affair with Mrs. Craddock because Dr. Roberts is a ladies man, but no, he was having an affair with Mr. Craddock and Mrs. Craddock objected and that's why he had to kill them because she was going to raise a ruckus about it and then she was and again this is where this is all where it's all starting to fall apart because of course she's upset with him and at the same time she's there to get shots so that she can go to egypt because she needs inoculations to enter the country and all i could think of is if if you're accusing him of of fooling around with your husband and you're going to report him to the medical society the last thing i would want him to do is put his hands on me that's right you'd find a different doctor there are plenty of doctors yeah and that didn't make any sense in the novel, Mrs. Craddock wants to have the affair with Dr. Roberts and she wants him to put his hands on her. It's her husband who objects to it, but her husband by this time has died of anthrax from an infected shaving brush, which sounded extremely specious to me, but whatever. So Mrs. Craddock, she's now a widow. Of course, she wants to go continue seeing Dr. Roberts. He's a handsome doctor and now she can legitimately have him put his hands all over her because she's a widow. As you can see, what's ended up happening in this episode, because we've seen numerous adaptations where they've changed things. They've added characters, dropped characters, added whole subplots. But here it's like they flicked the switch. Oh, yes. They flicked the switch. This is going to be a gay film, as gay as old Perry. So you have Dr. Craddock. He's unmarried. And so, of course, he must be absolutely flamingly gay. You have Superintendent Wheeler, who must, who obviously has a uh, gay sex life that his wife and children know nothing about, and neither does Scotland Yard. You have uh, Mr. Shaitana, who probably has a wide experience because it's just implied in the text. You have the gay photographer and his, his charming young men who pose in Greek draperies for art photography. Then you get Anne Meredith living with her friend Rhoda Dawes. Anne and Rhoda knew each other in school. Anne's mother has been gone for a number of years, and her father died and left her in poverty, and she had to go off and become basically a paid companion because you have no money and you have no no training and that's what you do and she's living with Rhoda the implication is that she is Rhoda's slave and they have a gay love life Rhoda is the dominant partner and Rhoda is very angry about Anne possibly flirting with Major Despard and there's nothing like this in the text then it turns out that no Anne Meredith did not murder her employer by giving her the poison in the wrong jar no it was rhoda who swapped the bottles some of these things i didn't like about them because they were not set up well because first of all we never saw rhoda at the woman's house until afterwards 
it was what happened is Anne was using the silver polish to polish the silver. The jar broke. She, and being she poured a, it into an empty medicine syrup, jar. An empty medicine jar. It's syrup of figs, which is, uh, I think, a laxative of some sort. And so it was not, of course, relabeled and it was put up in the in the cleaning cupboard because everybody would know that it was silver polish. And somebody put the syrup of figs into the medicine cabinet that the old lady used that she took a swig from every night before she went to bed to get her bowels to work and she poisoned herself and oh it was a terrible accident again it wasn't set up properly that we like i said didn't know rhoda was there but worst of all it was when eventually it's all revealed it wasn't Anne doing this who is shown to be a thief by the way she is shown to be a thief she steals the stockings but again if you don't set ann meredith up as a thief it doesn't make sense that she's going to steal two of the pairs of incredibly expensive french silk stockings what it also did when they flipped this because in the book Anne doesn't go off with major despard no it's rhoda what happens is that Anne tries to drown rhoda in the book because Anne recognizes that rhoda is the only person who would be able to tell poirot and the team of detectives about the old lady's death which everybody accepted as an accident including the old lady everybody accepted it as an accident but Anne knew it wasn't she knew what she had done and rhoda is a pair is going to blab and so she has to defend herself from from Rhoda. She has to protect herself, and she's jealous of the fact that Major Despard does notice Rhoda, although not as much as he notices Anne. But again, the text is very subtle. The text is very, very subtle about how Major Despard, he likes them both, but he likes Rhoda more, and that gives Anne another reason to murder Rhoda by shoving her off the boat that they are punting down in the local river to drown Rhoda. This is exactly the kind of crime that Anne Meredith does. It is an opportunistic one. I hope it will work. She was a thief, and that the, the lovely trick that Poirot plays in the book is acted out in the adaptation exactly. about the stockings. Which I love the way that was set up. Oh, it was a great setup. It was a great setup. And of course, Rhoda is, it goes off with Poirot to look at a dagger that was used by uh, 12 people to murder a man on the Orient Express. And she's like, oh, yes, let me see that. <laughs> and in the meantime, Anne Meredith is sorting through the 19 pairs of different kinds of stockings to pick out six, six. for a gift. And she steals two pairs of stockings. Right, because but Poirot it, mentions, I have like 13 or 14 of them here so he do, obviously does not know the exact count of stockings so she feels comfortable she feels comfortable stealing a couple of pairs of very expensive stockings but it isn't set up right because in the book he is already suspecting her of theft there are conversations about some of the previous employers that she has had uh one who is very slapdash in her housekeeping and if a ring goes missing if a little money goes missing she's not going to realize that it was the nice sweet mild companion but the old lady who was poisoned by drinking the stuff from the improperly marked bottle that old lady was a difficult old lady to live with she was very exacting and she knew immediately when something was being stolen and she saw Anne stealing something and so of course Anne had murder her because Anne panicked she is panic prone this all got changed around and then suddenly you find out no it wasn't Anne who poison deliberately poisoned Mrs. Benson it was Rhoda who deliberately poisoned her own aunt so that she could make Anne into her love slave so at the very end of the adaptation when we have Anne going off with Major Despard to darkest Africa 
He's going off with a thief. He's going off with the wrong girl. And in fact, they changed the whole scene on the boat, which is that Anne shoves Rhoda overboard and Major Despard races. Is Everybody shows up at the right time. And he really does because Anne shoves Rhoda off the boat. It's a punt, which means that Rhoda is standing upright in the boat and moving a pole back and forth in the river. It's relatively, it's probably not terribly deep, deep enough to drown if you panic. You can drown in a very small amount of water if you well, panic. Also doesn't help if being beaten over the head with a, because they were oaring, they were rowing in oh, the Oh yes, adaptation. that's right, that's right. In the adaptation they, they were using rowboats. They so, were using rowboats, not punting. Right. In the film, Rhoda shoves Anne in, but in the book, Anne pushes Rhoda into the water and then they upend the punt and both girls end up in the water and Major Despard has to make a snap decision and he chooses to save Rhoda, not Anne. And Anne drowns. They aren't able to uh, rescue her. Superintendent Battle also apparently goes into the water to uh, drag everybody ashore. This was so, this was 180 degrees turnaround. Rhoda's character was completely rewritten. And in fact, she ended up with a lot of the attitudes that Anne has in the novel. And I couldn't accept that. I mean, I could accept a lot of changes. I could accept the gay subtext for Roberts because, you know, hey, why not? And I could even accept making Anne Mrs. Lorimer's estranged daughter. I could even accept that because it does help if you tie everything more closely together for dramatic purposes. I could accept that. I could not accept Rhoda and Anne switching personalities, Major Despard going off with the wrong girl... I could not expect, accept Superintendent Wheeler turning into a, a, a fine, upstanding man with a wife and family with a secret gay life that he allows to be photographed despite being a superintendent at Scotland Yard. And the one that we haven't discussed, which is worst of all, I could not accept that Mr. Shaitana set up that dinner party with four murderers and four sleuths and then baited them. And then as he has them set up in their two respective separate rooms, he sits in the room with the murderers and takes the sleeping drug himself to see what happens next. What? I kept the first half, like I said, first half of this film, I was really enjoying it. And then it was just like, what? What? They did what? They did what? At least there were boats and horses. And I had the same problem, but I thought it was more because I really disliked the fact they didn't set this up. There was no indication because it sounds like Shaitana is tired of life. He wants to go out. And yet he doesn't exhibit any of that. Yeah, he doesn't exhibit any of that. He doesn't exhibit a, a world-weary ennui. And if he is going to do a world-weary ennui, then he is not going to drug himself so he is asleep when someone tries to murder him. That doesn't make any sense. If he is looking for sensation, he wants to be awake for this. Yeah, he wants to be around to enjoy this. At least I would I would think so. But again, and, and yeah, all this stuff came out, a lot of this stuff came out in the last 20 minutes. It, know, it was all these turnarounds oh, and it was oh. just one revelation after another and after another. And it was just too much to bear. It, it was too much to bear. <laughs> I could have, I, a few of the, a few of them 
Mrs. Lorimer and uh, Anne being related. I, I could accept that, you know, hey, again, you're for dramatic emphasis. I could even accept Dr. Roberts chasing his male patients instead of his female patients. I could even accept that. I couldn't accept Superintendent Wheeler. I could not accept the personality transplants between Anne and Rhoda and the entire lesbian sus subtext. And I could not accept that Mr. Shaitana planned all of this so that knowing that somebody there was going to try to kill him and he wanted to experience it, so he took a sleeping drug so he wouldn't experience it. Which is really sad because this was, again, like all the other movies we've seen, especially the last four or five, like The Hollows, they were beautifully shot. The flashbacks were really well put together. The acting was first rate. excellent. You know, the acting, again, acting is first rate. Everything looked great. Everything sounded great. Beautifully filmed. The uh, I'm sure that there would be people who would object to the scenes in Egypt because it's obvious that they didn't go to Egypt to film those skies. Yeah, it was, those hotels. it was against it, the it, backdrop, but it, it, I kind of like that problem with that because these are flashbacks these are memories yeah. and memories edit out all of the little details you know like the litter on the ground or the the camels that are shitting in back of you they, <laughs> they you edit out all of it that it had a very romantic cast you could tell it was a backdrop but at the same time it just i don't know it just worked i was it, so it worked amused. for me it, yeah I was just it, it amused worked for by me i because... had no problems with any of that Everything looked absolutely fabulous. Ariadne Oliver has a great sports car. We get to see Major Despard with some really fine horses mm -hmm. doing some really fine riding. Uh, we get a boat. We get Anne and Rhoda on a boat. And, oh, God, they just, this story was just so stupid in the last half. It was just stupid. Well, this leads to the question then, would you recommend it? Or how would you recommend it? Would somebody who did not read the book really accept this? I think if someone didn't read the book, they could probably handle almost everything except for the fact that Mr. Shaitana taking the drug was really poorly set up. That would probably be the main objection because you wouldn't know with anything else what they had messed up on, what they had changed around. But they did not set up Shaitana looking essentially for assisted suicide because that's really what it was. They did not do any kind of an of, of a setup for Major Shaitana, or for Mr. Shaitana wanting to die and wanting someone else to do it for him like death by cop. Mm -hmm. They did not set that up in any way, shape, or form, and particularly needing to be unconscious when he's experiencing the final experience that any human being can have, which is to step through the veil and cross over into that undiscovered country from which no one ever returns. And do you get any kind of a setup for that? No. There's nothing to say, I want to leave behind a mystery that people will talk about for generations. Exactly. And a theatrical man like that he is not going to go quietly into that good night. <laughs> he is going to make as much noise and attract as much attention as possible. I, I don't know. If you know the novel, you're going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. uh, for the second half, you're going to be disappointed. For the first half, you're going to love it. For the second half, you're going to say, what, what, what? And you're going to throw your popcorn at the screen. <laughs> if you've not read the novel, you'll probably be fine. Mm. You will probably be okay because you won't know any better, particularly about Anne and Rhoda and Major Despard going back into the wilds of Africa with whiny, thieving Anne instead of brave, stalwart, adventuresome Rhoda. True. Anne was something of a damp dish rag. She was a dish character. rag. Well, that concludes our discussion of Cards on the Table. And Thanks so much for joining us, folks. Next, next time, we're going to be doing After the Funeral. 
or funerals are fatal, depending on where you live. Oh, yes, this is going to be really interesting because for those of you who, uh, uh, we weren't doing podcasts at the time, folks, but this was also filmed with Margaret Rutherford as Miss Marple. And if you think that funerals are fatal had Miss Marple in it, you're wrong. It did not. It is a Poirot uh, film, so it's going to be really interesting because I will have Margaret Rutherford's version in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now you just you just read the book, didn't you? And you really wondered how they were going to a- adapt it, or was that taken at the flood? I was thinking of. You know, I can't remember now. Well, we'll find out. We'll next find time. out when we do funerals are fatal, and no, Margaret Rutherford is not going to be in this. Well, and this is Bill Peschel and Teresa Peschel, and this was Agatha Christie. We watched, and I'll see you at the movies. Bye bye. <laughs>